And this brother comes up to me and he starts crying. He said to me, and he's like, I really need my brother to live. And he was so sad. And he's like, I tried to tell him I didn't know how to. I just need him to wake up so that I can ask for forgiveness, so that I can ask him to forgive me for keeping it a secret from him for all these years. And it just, it broke my heart. You're listening to The Purpose Filter Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Louis Kathy Zhang, and my mission is to help you overcome limitations, gain confidence, and become the person you're most meant to be. When you spend as much time as I do around dying patients, you learn a few things about living. Oftentimes, people are so overwhelmed, they don't know what to say to their loved ones at the end of life. So we will suggest five phrases that patients and families can say to each other, using them as a final act of radical honesty, love, and forgiveness, essentially to leave nothing unsaid. And of course, I'll discuss how you can apply these same phrases to your own life now before it's too late. Have some tissues ready because this topic is always an emotional one. Take a listen. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Purpose Filter. I hope you are doing amazing right now. It is warm AF on this side of the world right now. It is 95 degrees outside and I can't keep my AC running while I record. So we're going to try to keep this short if possible, but if you've listened to me, you probably know that that might not happen. Anyhow, I have been thinking about this topic for a long time. I've wanted to record this episode since I started and it just didn't feel quite right until now. And what I want to really talk about are these five phrases that we suggest people say to the dying. And I bring this up because when you care for terminally ill patients like I do, seriously and terminally ill patients, you start to notice patterns that people who don't encounter the dying day in and day out don't see. Most people will witness maybe a handful of people on their deathbed in their entire lifetime, which is good. Not everyone wants to be in this work. Not everyone is comfortable with it the way that people in my field are. And I consider it a privilege to be doing the work that I do. Absolutely, 100%. I love it. And I hope that you feel my genuine appreciation for this work. And I am privy to a lot of things. There are phenomena that we notice at the end of life, one of which is something that's called terminal lucidity. There will be patients who will be unresponsive for days. They enter the dying phase and they lose consciousness. They're not able to communicate with us. They don't seem to wake up. You nudge them, you speak to them, you try to shake them awake. They don't wake up. They don't respond. And then for some reason, and this has happened again and again to me, to my colleagues, to other people in the field, you go in one day, you expect them to die. You think, all right, it's going to be hours and you prep the family and you tell them and you, know, you get everyone prepared. And then you walk in one day and they're sitting up, they're awake and they're like, hey, doc. And you go, holy shit. 
You're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then sometimes the family freaks out and they're like, I thought you said they were dying. And then, but this is a real thing. Terminal lucidity is a natural phenomenon. I can't explain it. They're, they're trying to do studies on it. Part of me thinks that there are sometimes things that are left unsaid, things left hanging in the balance that need to be resolved between patients and their families or friends or loved ones. And it's just my conjecture, but I've seen it enough to know that it's real. And another thing that we see is that hearing is the last thing to go. We see that patients respond positively to the sound of their loved ones. And more and more studies are showing that unresponsive patients at the end of life do seem to hear what is being spoken to them, how much they understand that's something that requires more research. But when I was in fellowship, I learned this from one of my attendings, one of my supervisors. And we were in a family meeting and we were telling the family that, you know, this patient is dying and they were overwhelmed as they normally are. And my supervising attending said, is it okay, asking permission, is it okay if I share with you some common phrases that we suggest families can say to their dying patient, to the loved one at the end of life so that you can maybe resolve some issues, get things off your chest, express your truth that maybe you weren't able to do while they were still conscious. And I wanted to share these with you now because as with everything in this podcast, as with all the topics, this isn't just for the end of life. These are powerful, powerful statements. They are short. They are something that you would encounter in your everyday life. But because of the magnitude of death and dying, it makes it so much more poignant and emotional when you're doing it then. But it doesn't take away from how strong this can be if you apply it to your life now. So the first phrase that I want to share with you, the first phrase that we suggest patients can say to their dying loved ones is thank you. Very simple. Thank you for being my parent. Thank you for supporting me and being by my side. Thank you for this, that, and the other thing. And what I realized is that we don't thank the people that are around us nearly enough. We take for granted their presence, their support, their love, whether it's financial or it's emotional support, whether it's just being there, they're doing things for us, they're cooking us dinner, they're telling us how much we mean to them. And we take for granted these people that are supposed to be our foundations, our rocks, the people that we rely on the most. And sometimes because the people around us are the closest to us and we take them for granted, they're the ones that we actually take emotions out on, right? They're the ones who we get angry at. They're the ones who we insult. They're the ones who we ignore because they're right there, because we know deep down, they're probably always going to be there. But 
people have free will. They have choice. They don't have to stick around you. So if you have the opportunity, when you have the opportunity, tell people how much they mean to you while you have the chance to do it. Don't wait until the end. And this is going to be a running theme for all five of these phrases. Tell them thank you and really mean it and not just in a text. Fine. You want to text them? Great. Call them, send them a snail mail, email them, meet up in person if you can, video chat. Really go out of your way to let them know how serious you are so that they feel appreciated. They feel the gratitude that you really genuinely have for them and remind them day in, day out as much as you can because we don't do enough of it. Number two is, I love you. And I think this goes without saying, but when I was younger, I had a relationship and my partner and I consciously did not say, I love you to each other because we thought it would cheapen the phrase because some people just say it all the time to their partner without really meaning it. And looking back, that was really silly. To be honest, I think I was the one who suggested it. And Honestly, it feels stupid in retrospect. Like, okay, fine. If you say I love you as a kind of like response automatically to when someone leaves or you come back or you hang up the phone, but at the same time, there's an intentionality behind the phrase. And tell people how much you care about them until maybe they're sick of it. Until they're like, okay, 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 I get it, I get it. No, 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 I really, really do care about you. And maybe their love language isn't words of affirmation. Show people how much they mean to you, how much you care about them. Show up, love, hug them, touch them, do something. Go all John Cusack and say anything. Remember that 80s movie and he holds up the boom box to the window and he's playing that song? Do the things that are going to make people realize how much you love them. Especially in Asian cultures, I came across this post on Instagram where someone was like, Asian parents aren't known for their like warm and fuzziness. They're not known for being effusively like, I love you, you're the best, uh, that sort of thing. Except they show their love in a different way. One of those ways is feeding you. And people would be like, oh my God, the fruit the sliced fruit, the watermelon, whatever, the melons that my mom would bring me while I was studying. And I was like, oh my God, my mom would do the same thing for me. And my parents are actually very warm and loving people. My dad is one of those people that shows his love by doing things for you. My father would renovate our entire house months and months and months, doing the work day in, day out, spackling, painting, gutting our kitchen gutting our bathroom because that is how he shows his love. I want all of us to be able to do the same thing for the people we care about and also recognize how they are showing us love, maybe not by words, but by actions. The third phrase that we suggest patients and families can say to each other is, please forgive me. I'll tell you a story. At the very beginning of COVID, we had a patient in our hospital who's very, very, very sick, very young from Central Asia. And 
he was in probably in his 30s and he was on the most advanced form of life support that we had, which is called ECMO, E-C-M-O, which basically they, you know, circulate your blood outside of your body and they do the work of the heart and or the lungs outside of the body, kind of like a bypass machine. And then they allow the organs to rest so that they can recover. And so this guy was on it and it was kind of on all hands on deck. He was very young, had never really been sick before. And this was at the very beginning of COVID when people were dying left and right. It was really, really intense. And I met his family and I remember talking to his brother and I may have mentioned it on this podcast before, but his brother would tell me about their life back home. And one day he came up to me and he just looked so sad because this patient wasn't doing well that day. He was really sick and they were trying their best to get him better. And this brother comes up to me and he starts crying. And when grown men allow themselves to cry in front of other people, it always, it always gets me. But he said to me and he's like, I really need my brother to live. I need him to know that he's my brother. And I was like, I don't I don't get it. You said he's your brother. What do you mean? And he told me the story about how when they were younger, this patient, his brother, for some reason, ended up being like adopted or he thinks he's actually adopted by their aunt. And there were like a custody issue, but he grew up his entire life thinking that he didn't have siblings. He was thinking that the brother who was talking to me was actually a cousin or like a family relative that wasn't actually a blood sibling. And this brother, he was so sad. And he's like, I tried to tell him I didn't know how to, and I I just need him to wake up so that I can ask for forgiveness, so that I can ask him to forgive me for keeping it a secret from him for all these years. I don't know why I didn't tell him. And it just, it broke my heart. This guy was living a life and he wanted to express himself. He wanted to tell him and he didn't know how because he was afraid or nervous or there didn't seem like there was a good time. And he was like, I want so desperately to ask for forgiveness. And you can see where I'm going with this, right? How many times have we wanted to ask people for forgiveness for something that we've done that has wronged them in some way? And maybe that relationship has soured because of what's gone wrong. And we don't know how to fix it. We don't know when is the right time to go back and be like, hey, I'm so sorry for being a dick when I was younger. I'm so sorry for what I said. I wish that things were different. I wish that none of this had ever happened. Why do we wait until the end? Why do we wait until something serious is happening? Why do we wait until people's lives are in danger for us to wake up and be like, holy shit, maybe I should say something. Maybe I should do something differently. I don't want them to leave this earth without knowing what should be said, without knowing how I actually feel, without repenting, without just simply saying, I'm sorry. Why do we allow ourselves to do this? It's something that just 
I wish I could get across to more and more people is that take advantage of the time that we have with each other and really examine why you're doing this, why you're feeling this way, and then take the steps to rectify it as best as you can. On the flip side of please forgive me is I forgive you. And oh my God, is forgiveness a doozy? It is so hard to forgive someone that has wronged you. And here's the thing. Forgiveness isn't about condoning what they did. It isn't saying, oh, what you did was okay or was right. When you cannot forgive someone, and I speak from personal experience, I've had people who have lied to me, cheated on me, and I held such a grudge because I was so upset that they violated the trust and the loyalty that I thought we had. And when you hold a grudge, that person doesn't know that you're mad at them. They're out there living their life, especially if you're upset and you cannot forgive someone who has already passed. That is eating away at you, not them. You are giving away your power by focusing on this wrongdoing that they have done you. And what you need to really be able to do is to set yourself free from whatever pain they caused you so that you can feel that lightness instead of wishing for it to be different. There's a freedom in forgiveness. It's a freedom that you give yourself by saying it is what it is and I'm going to leave it there. And I don't know if you know who Siri Lindley is. She's a triathlete. She speaks now. She's amazing. She gives these great, incredible speeches. And she talks about how her father essentially disowned her when she called him and told him that she was gay. And for years, they did not talk. They didn't have a relationship. And she was able to find it within herself to forgive him. And long story short, now they have a relationship. And she is so happy that she did that, that she found the strength, that she let go of that angst, that rage inside, because it was eating her alive. And she found the ability to be able to do that. And that's possible for all of us. It's not something unique to Siri Lindley or anyone who has done it before the end of life. It is possible for all of us to go through these steps to be able to forgive, to be able to have that lightness, that freedom that we're talking about. And the fifth thing is some version of goodbye. To say, see you later, until we meet again, sayonara, something like that. And if you remember from episode 44, we talked about letting go. Sometimes people are only in our lives for a certain period. Maybe they don't pass on. Maybe they're still living, but maybe they're not an active part of your daily life anymore. Maybe it's a relationship, friends, colleagues, whoever it may be. Maybe you can say those first four phrases to them. Thank you. I love you. Please forgive me. I forgive you so that you can part ways amicably. You know, there's a quote that goes around on the internet is, 
just because we're no longer friends doesn't mean I don't want the best for you. And I think Tupac said something along those lines, you know, just because we're no longer friends doesn't mean I don't want you to still eat. I'm a bigger person than that. And that is something that we can internalize into our daily lives now is to say, hey, maybe we have to part ways, but maybe we can do so in a way that isn't going to damage the relationship. Maybe we can do so in a way that is healing for all of us. And to say, like, I honor and cherish the time that we spent together and we're going to part ways and that's okay. It's a part of life. It's a part of living. Needless to say, when we have to say goodbye to people that we actually care about in the physical sense that they are no longer of this earth, that is a pain that you can only really know when you've experienced it. And that's why we have these phrases. That's why we do this work is to be able to counsel people through some of the darkest times in their lives. And I didn't realize this when I was in fellowship, but I found out that there's an ancient Hawaiian prayer called Ho'oponopono, and I think pono means balance. And the prayer goes like this, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. And people say it over and over and over again, either to themselves, to someone else, for someone else, whether it's someone who's passed on or whatever it is. And it's a way of cleansing and bringing more balance back into your life because you are saying these words. And in very similar words, you can see that there's parallels between what I just said and this Hawaiian prayer. And what I want to share with you too is just be careful. This exercise might make you cry. It certainly made me just start bawling, but you can say these words, these phrases, this prayer to your old self. I want you to envision yourself as a child, maybe during your most sad or weakest time when you were just really questioning things and not feeling confident in yourself. And I want you to go back and envision yourself, you as your current self and talking to your child self and saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And saying it again and again and again. And I want you to see what comes up when you say that to your old self, when you say that to the little kid version of you, it is Ooh, it blows some things out of the water. It really brings up a lot of stored, whether it's trauma or emotions or something like that. But there's a beauty in being able to do that for ourselves too, to be able to forgive ourselves, to ask ourselves for forgiveness, to thank ourselves, to love ourselves, maybe to say goodbye to a previous version of ourselves that wasn't helping us. and. The mission of the podcast has always been this. You don't have to wait until you or someone you love is dying to do any of this, to reconcile differences, to show gratitude, to care deeply. 
I want you to live your life in a manner that is in line with what's important to you on the inside, to align your values, to live authentically and in integrity with your true self. I intend to do the same for me. If for some reason I leave the house today and I don't come home, I'm really trying with my life, all right? I'm squeezing what I can. I'm creating opportunities so I can take the next step towards what I want for myself, for my loved ones. If I die before whatever long, ripe old age I hope to live to, it is with the knowledge that I have used my time. And that is what I desperately hope for you as well. If for some reason my husband leaves the house and doesn't come home, he will know how much he means to me because I tell him as often as I can. And I don't know what's going to happen, but by God, I am going to let him know. I'm going to let the people that I love know how much they mean to me while I still have the opportunity. And I hope that this episode, these phrases, I love you. Thank you. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Goodbye. Will have given you some perspective, will have given you some clarity on what you need or want to do or say to the people in your life right now, right freaking now, before you're not able to before you get to a point where you see someone like me and you're hoping and wishing that you did something differently. You are now armed with this knowledge and this perspective, and it is up to you to do something about it, to take action, not to blindly just listen to this for the sake of listening. That's not the purpose of this. It is really to help you take action, to do something that is meaningful to you. As always, this has been a long one. This has been an emotional one. And I hope that you take this to heart. Please let me know if you decide to do something with this information. And I hope that it brings some clarity and some levity and some peace to your life. I know those words have already done so for me. And as always, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. I will see you next week. Five very simple, very powerful phrases to keep in mind, whether you start using them now or when someone you love is facing their own mortality. If you enjoyed this episode and want to see all the new and exciting things we have in store for you, then leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and tell your friends. This work and these lessons have changed my life completely, and I know it can do the same for you and your loved ones as well. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. I'm always so, so grateful for your support. You are why I keep showing up week after week. Thank you, and I love you.